Hey friend, do you wanna offer meaningful learning solutions that create behavior change, fit in the flow of work and yield real results for your nonprofit? If yes, this is the podcast for you. Join me as I explore instructional design and leadership development best practices, as well as change management, belonging, and influence. If we haven't met yet, I'm Heather and I've been in your shoes. I'm a learning and development consultant and founder of Skill Masters Market. Before starting my business, I led learning and leadership development initiatives for a large national nonprofit. I know what it's like to need to develop your staff quickly and effectively and to build the relationships and cut through the organizational layers to be successful. And I'm bringing all of that to you in this podcast. So block your calendar, turn off your Teams or Slack chat, and let's dive in. It's learning for good. When you think about well-being, what comes to mind? Is it exercise? Maybe it's eating healthy? Or maybe it's even getting enough sleep? All of these things are part of well-being. So what does well-being have to do with work? Well, Gallup has discovered five categories of well-being, and they are career, social, financial, physical, and community. And when we broaden our focus to include all five categories, suddenly work becomes a major factor. And your leaders can influence the well-being of everyone on their teams. So those leaders become an important part of the conversation too. That's why I'm so excited to have well-being strategist Loretta Turner on the podcast today. We are going to explore how you can take a well-being approach to leadership development. And I can't wait. So grab your coffee or tea and let's dive in. It's learning for good. All right, I have Loretta Turner here with me today. Loretta is a San Diego-based ICF-accredited leadership coaching and well-being strategist. Her mission is to enrich the well-being of individuals and organizations that strive to do good and create more positive impact in their communities. With over a decade of experience in the nonprofit and wellness sectors, Loretta brings a mindful, people-centered, and mission-driven approach to her coaching, facilitation, and consulting work. I'm so excited for Loretta to join us today and talk about a well-being approach to leadership development because this is just so, so important. Welcome, Loretta. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to get into this conversation with you. Yeah, me too. This is going to be so good. I know so many organizations are thinking about how are they developing their leaders? How are they developing those leaders that are going to be taking the the seats of their executive leaders in the future? And well-being is such a hot topic right now, but it's not always paired with leadership development. And so I'm so excited for this conversation that we're going to have today. But before we get into the specifics, I know you're going to give us so much information today. I'd love to just hear a little bit about you, your career journey, how you got to where you are. I know you have such an interesting background to get you into this position that you're in today. So I can't wait to hear about it. Yes, this is always one of my favorite questions to answer because it's always a reminder for me of how my own story and how my own experiences in this work has led me to to what I do now. So I always just appreciate the question because I love to reflect. But ultimately, like you mentioned, I have a pretty unique background. I got my career started actually in the wellness and well-being sector. 
So when I was doing my undergrad, there was an opportunity for me to train as a yoga teacher. I absolutely took advantage of that opportunity. And then in my late teens, I was teaching yoga. I was teaching yoga inside yoga studios. I was teaching yoga at events. And then I found myself also teaching yoga in corporate spaces. So at a very young age, like my early 20s, I was already having conversations around the intersection of well-being and workplace culture. So then I had this happy accident, which was stumbling upon a nonprofit. One of the gigs I got as a yoga teacher was teaching inside of prisons and rehabilitation centers and homeless shelters. And this was like 15 years ago. So that work then was super taboo. But I remember getting the gig and it feeling like a happy accident and also feeling like I had struck gold in my career. I knew in that moment that I would absolutely be committed to the nonprofit and social impact sector. And quickly, my gig as a yoga teacher inside these spaces turned into a gig working for a nonprofit. I was managing some of my fellow teachers and I was doing some other program management things, wearing a lot of hats, doing the social media, doing the operations. And again, it felt like for a moment I struck gold. Like I had fell in love with the practice of yoga and was having conversations about wellness and well-being and self-care and caring for your body, caring for your soul, caring for your mind. And then I'm also allowed to do this work with populations who could most benefit from those beautiful practices. But then there was this moment where I recognized that I was working inside this well-being and wellness-focused organization, this organization that had a well-being mission But then when I looked at myself and when I looked at my colleagues, especially our other volunteer yoga teachers, we were unwell. We were definitely feeling under-resourced, under-supported, and we were very much struggling with our well-being. And every time I tried to elevate conversations about, hey, how do we apply the work that we do to the people like us that are behind the scenes, I didn't get a lot of answers. And so that was ultimately the start of a 10-year journey, a decade of curiosity around what does it mean to be well in the sector? What does it mean to do good and also be well? And then that's how and where I launched my business, Do Good Leadership, which our mission is very much supporting social impact professionals and organizations in doing good and being well. And so we very much take a well-being approach to leadership development, and we embed concepts of well-being into nonprofit strategy. Love that. I love how you just fell into the nonprofit sector and found your place and how you've been able to um, kind of intertwine the things that you love the most to create where you are today. So you mentioned a well-being approach to leadership development. What is that exactly? What does that mean? Mm -hmm. So a well-being approach to leadership development, it can mean a lot of things. And I tell this to the people I work with all the time. Well-being at work is going to mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people and a lot of different organizations. But the way I like to frame it is it's ultimately taking a holistic and equitable approach to developing people and developing entire teams. A well-being approach to leadership development, it really recognizes that people's well-being, like you mentioned, directly impacts their work. It directly impacts their ability to lead and work effectively with others. Well-being-based leadership, it very much goes beyond the traditional view of leadership development. And I'm sure we'll talk about this more, but historically what I've seen in that in those types of development is very much focused on skills and very much focused on competencies and these fixed models of how you should and shouldn't lead. 
But a well-being approach is more flexible and it really expands into conversations that are centered in self-awareness and equity and stress management, emotional intelligence, emotional resilience, feelings of belonging, and ultimately realizing that good leadership includes knowing how to care for your soul, for your body, for your heart and your mind. Now, my personal leadership philosophy is that leadership isn't what you do or how much money you make or, or you fall on the org chart. Leadership is who you are. And like I was saying about me and my colleagues at that nonprofit, if who we are at the core is unwell, then that's going to impact how we lead. If we're not caring for ourselves and not doing the interpersonal work to know ourselves and know our habits and the way we operate as individual systems, then that completely impacts who we are and how we lead at work. And in a lot of the coaching and the facilitation that we do at Do Good Leadership, we are very rarely talking about specific leadership styles or management skills. Instead, we're talking about who we are as people. We're talking about our lived experiences and how we can develop the right habits and the right skill sets of well-being so that we can lead from a place of wholeness and authenticity and ultimately a healthy place. Do you wish you could connect with other nonprofit learning and development leaders? I know what it feels like to want someone to bounce ideas off of and to learn from someone who really understands you and your work. Imagine if you could have a simple way to meet people in the field, ask questions, and share information. That's why I created the Nonprofit Learning and Development Collective, where nonprofit L&D, talent management, and DEI leaders can connect with each other quickly and easily in a virtual space. When you join this community, you will walk away with a new, diverse, and powerful network and a sounding board for your staff development needs. So if you're ready to exchange ideas and collaborate with your peers, come join the Nonprofit L&D Collective. Yeah, I feel like our work is such a complement to each other because I do a lot of the skill development. I do a lot of the competency development, but that is only part of the puzzle. So when you think about that, you said it's a little bit different than maybe traditional leadership development because it's not just focused on skills or competencies. What do you see as the challenge with traditional leadership development? Well, actually, I think you were already alluding to it that focusing on skills and focusing on competencies is not a bad thing. It's something that we absolutely need to teach. And it can be really fundamental to those who are brand new to leadership or brand new to a sector. I teach an introduction to leadership course for incoming undergraduates at the University of San Diego. And when I'm talking to 17 and 18 year olds, like, it's so critical that we still teach for leadership theory and tips for good management. I think the challenge is when we just focus on that as leadership development, I think we just get too narrow-minded. And I, again, I feel like we lack opportunities to expand our thinking and learning of what leadership development looks like because we're operating historically in places that have no flexibility. And I feel like people lack the flexibility to explore who they are when they get boxed into learning the skill and being competent in these ways. I remember when I first learned about, I don't know what number it is nowadays, but when I was learning about it, it was the seven primary leadership styles. And I was so frustrated at the idea that I had to commit to or identify with just one leadership style. And personality-wise, horoscope-wise, I'm historically very rebellious. So I'm not surprised that I was really frustrated by this, but I just felt like all of my life experiences, all of my 
they're affecting identities were somehow being narrowed into a set of skills and competencies. And it just felt like a disservice to who I was and what I was really capable of. And yeah, it, it just felt challenging because my personality, my lived experiences, my leadership style is fluid and it's subject to shift depending on what's going on in the world and what's going on in my life. Another challenge with traditional leadership development is that it has historically been so hyper-focused on preparing individuals for specific roles rather than actually understanding the whole person and looking at developing who they are and the potential of who they might become. Traditional leadership development has offered people such limited options on how they can and cannot develop into who they authentically are. I have felt like I've only been allowed to go to certain conferences or I'm only allowed to learn a certain skill that's critical for my job, or I'm only allowed to take a certain training just so long as I promise that it's going to support my organization in enhancing our, our KPIs, or I will commit to this training because I want to be able to move up the corporate ladder. And again, while those things can be helpful and they can be really important, and yeah, it's things that people absolutely still want to consider in their development, I think it just dismisses the bigger picture that leadership is about who we are. And we shouldn't be so focused on what we do and how we can do it better and how we can do more of it. So in my opinion, a well-being approach to leadership development can absolutely and should go beyond the traditional like menu of development options. I think leadership development should include opportunities that are not just about learning, but instead giving people opportunities to heal, whether it be like a mini sabbatical or sending folks on a restorative retreat or giving people permission to use their professional development to just restore themselves and support their nervous systems. That's another way I like to think about that well-being approach to leadership development. How do I invest money into this person by honor and respect in this organization so that they feel more rejuvenated and more supported in their work and not feeling like they have to learn another skill if they want that extra support financially? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Really thinking about who the leader is and allowing them to lead really authentically and leaning into that. So obviously a well-being approach to leadership development is a little bit different than a traditional approach to leadership development, really complementary in, in my opinion, but different. And so what outcomes can someone expect if they were to take a well-being approach to leadership development? I love this question. I feel like I was just talking to some fellow consultants and coaches about this the other day. I know like the era that we're living in as we talk about work is starting to shift towards conversations of nourishment and healing and well-being. And that's awesome and excited. And obviously I'm very lit up by that. And I still recognize that there's a lot of, I would say maybe stigma and some boundaries in some of the work that I do, having it feel a little woo as it relates to bringing it into work. But what is ironic, I mean, what I find I need to do as someone who's marketing my services is reminding folks that a well-being approach to leadership development is still very much leadership development. And it comes with a lot of the benefits that we want to see in our employees and on our teams. We can see people becoming more engaged. We can see cultures shifting. We can see people feeling more just invested in their work and just more willing to show up fully. Like personally, when I think about the individuals I've worked with, I see these leadership development opportunities that help people tap into excitement and tap into joy and fulfillment and just a sense of possibility. 
rather than I think historically what I've seen, people feel a little like resentful and dissatisfied on how they were encouraged to lead versus helping to inform the process on how they would want to be developed instead. Again, I see people benefit, I see organizations benefit from their people becoming more self-aware, people become more connected to themselves. And of course, as a result, that means you have better and effective leaders that are leading from a more authentic, a more self-aware place. I think when you commit to well-being-based leadership, you're giving people more choice on how they want to be developed. And I think as a result of that, people perform better. People feel like they have more autonomy. They feel more empowered to make decisions. People can better articulate who they are and what their needs are and how they are aligned with an organization and its values. And then as a result of that, you can retain people for longer. You can reduce burnout while increasing engagement. And I think importantly, I mentioned this already, but establishing a well-being focused leadership development program is wonderful and, and a wonderful and an innovative way to shift the culture of your company. Because if you have an entire team of people who know that they can invest in their well-being for the purpose of becoming more whole, more rested, more well-resourced, then in my mind, you have a kick-ass team that's like willing to work more collaboratively with one another and willing to show up more fully and more energetically. So it's a win all around. Yeah, I definitely see a ton of benefits as you're talking. And we do want more engaged teams and we do want leaders who aren't facing burnout. And we do want to reduce staff turnover and especially you know, at the executive level and leadership level and first-line people manager level. We know that they're getting burned out. We've seen it. And so thinking through all of the benefits that can come from this, it really is just amazing to think about the impact that could have on our organization. So if a nonprofit learning and development leader who's listening to this wants to get started and wants to do something different right now, what's one thing they can do now to make their leadership development more mindful of this approach in the future? I would say the one thing that somebody could do now and honestly on an ongoing basis is to stay curious and ask people what they need. I will say that I've never held the position of, of leading the development, the leadership development initiatives at an organization. But if it were me and I had that type of power and authority, I would think about reframing just the way we talk about professional development. I think the way that I've received that language in a lot of organizations I've worked in, especially when we're thinking about nonprofits, it's such a, it's a wonderful resource, but it's always very limited. And because it's limited, you have to make the best use out of it. And in our eyes, you making the best use out of those dollars it means that you're going to get better at your job and you're going to learn some new skills and you're going to pick from our menu of this one size fits all approach. I think we have to pivot away from that and start to frame this as, hey, this organization values you. We value who you are. We value all that you bring to your work. We want to invest in your growth in a way that you see fit so that you can become more well-rounded, happier, fulfilled, more aligned. Because we know that when you can step into that, you're going to do better things, bigger things for our organization. So you tell us how we can help you get there. And of course, it, that means you might still have to have some rules, some boundaries, some barriers around what PD is or isn't. But at the same time, it is an opportunity to, again, stay curious and ask what people need. I think if you're willing to have a more innovative professional development program in place, I always think it's helpful to expose people to the potential impact that these opportunities can have in their lives. I can't tell you how many people I see on staff who 
just never use their professional development funds. And I don't know if that's because the options, the menu was unappealing or limited, or if they just haven't been informed about the ways that they can use the gift of those funds to better their lives. Yeah. So again, I, I've never held that role or that title, but when I talk to people in those spaces or I, I connect with people in HR, I'm always trying to plant the seeds about making their professional development programs more innovative, more inclusive, and just in general, more equitable. I love that. Thank you for sharing those tips. Any final words before we close today? Well, I just want to say thank you so much for having me. Like I mentioned, (laughs) I say this all the time, I will die on the nonprofit well-being hill. And I know there's several people that are on that hill with me and we're trying to just stay really creative in how do we help nonprofit leaders see the value and just taking a deep breath and realizing that we've got really valuable, amazing people in our organization that need resources for healing that need resources for reinvigoration, and it doesn't look, have to look like a management program. So just thank you for the platform to, to share that, to help me articulate what that looks like and what the benefits are. I think the more we talk about it, the more people stay curious. And maybe one day we get to a place where a well-being approach to leadership development is more normalized and it's something that people can more easily tap into. So thank you. Yeah. This has been so helpful, so eye-opening for me, and I'm sure for so many listeners. So thank you, Loretta, for joining me today and sharing more about the well-being approach to leadership development. Thank you. We had so much good stuff from Loretta. I am so glad that she was able to join today and share more about a well-being approach to leadership development. Here are a few takeaways. We want to reframe how we're talking about leadership development. So it's about the value of the leader, the value that we see in the leader, who they are, what their needs are, versus just a list of skills or leadership styles that the organization has identified. Now there's value in identifying those skills. There's value in identifying leadership styles, but recognizing who the leader is, that just goes above and beyond. We want to create alignment between the leader and the organization and and really create that self-awareness in the leader of who they are and how they want to lead. So we want to reframe how we're talking about it. We also want to expand how we approach leadership development so that it's both holistic and restorative. And this is, again, in addition to any skill development that we want to include. So when we think holistic, we're thinking beyond skills and competencies, not just developing someone for one role, but developing them as a leader who can lead in a way that is authentic to them. And when we say restorative, we want to think about how can we bring that person rest so that they can bring joy to their work and to their teams. So again, this is a value add. It's on top of any skills or competencies that you want your leaders to have, because this is who they are and their approach to how they lead others. So I want to hear from you. How are you emphasizing well-being in your leadership development programs? Head over to the Nonprofit Learning and Development Collective. This is a free virtual community for nonprofit leaders who are creating training and leadership development programs in their nonprofits. Head over to the Nonprofit Learning and Development Collective. Share with your colleagues from all around the country how you are emphasizing well-being in your leadership development programs. Burnout is real and all nonprofits are dealing with it. You could share something that changes the life of someone else. You could share something that changes the lives of other nonprofit leaders. 
All right, head over to the Nonprofit L&D Collective. I'll see you there and I'll see you next time on Learning for Good. Hey friend, was this episode helpful for you? Did you like what you heard? Do you want more content like this? Here are three things you can do. Hit subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast app of choice. Share this episode with a colleague. This means so much to me personally. I read every review, but it also helps me learn what content you like most so I can create more of what you want. All right, turn that Teams or Slack chat back on when you're ready, and I'll see you next time on Learning for Good.